This week's episode is something I hope to be able to incorporate more into future shows. It's a conversation with another local business owner. I had reached out to Local Gourmet Marketing Kitchen to see if they had any interest in being on our podcast. Over the past three years, they have transitioned from being the new kids on the block to becoming one of Southbury's hidden gems and a staple of the downtown area. I was super excited when they responded and both the owner and general manager want to be on the show. We have both Christy Busso, the owner, and Ashley Bugnacki, the general manager of Local Gourmet, in the house for a sit-down talk. They have an amazing story, and out of complete happenstance, it really ties back to both Mikey and my own story out of the Watertown area, since Christy was also the former owner of Watertown Meat Center, and Ashley was a supervisor at the time before where they are now at Local Gourmet. There are links to their website and Instagram page in the show notes below, and I have to thank them both for giving up their free time on a Sunday to sit down and chat with me. I hope you all enjoy. Welcome to another episode of Strong Town Talks. I am your host, Dan Gallagher. This is a show where we talk with the people and friends of the Strong Town community. Okay, everyone. Welcome back to another week and another episode of Strong Town Talks. This is a different episode for us this week. A lot of times I get to sit down with a member at the gym. And this is a week where we are sitting down with a fellow local Southbury business owner. I have Christy Busso. Yep. Ashley, I did not get your last no name. No uh, Bugnacki. Ashley Bugnacki. And Christy is the owner of Local Gourmet in Southbury. And Ashley, you are the general manager yes. of Local Gourmet. This is an exciting episode for me because I am a frequent patron of Local Gourmet. I mentioned my mother, Jerry Lou, is there multiple times each week. I think you guys are basically keeping her alive at this point. And one of the things I'm trying to do with this podcast is also trying to, in addition to highlighting our members and their stories, I'm also trying to have a bit of a local focus on Southbury. I know we have a lot of members that go to your store pretty frequently and they love what you guys do there. So I thought it'd be cool to get you on the show and maybe chat and catch up and see what's going on there. So normally when we start out these episodes, I like to start off with a little bit of background, just trying to get you both to introduce yourself, talk about where you're from, where you grew up. And I guess, Christy, maybe we can start with you really quick. Sure. My name is Christy. Um, I currently live in Watertown. I've grown up in Watertown most of my life since I was six. I was born in North Carolina, um, but I grew up in Watertown. I went to college um, up outside of Boston at Babson College and then uh, came back here to Watertown and have pretty much been around here since. I moved to Middlebury for a little while, but I've been in this general area. Okay. You moved to Middlebury, then you moved back to Watertown? So I used to own the Watertown Meat Center in Watertown. When when I owned that store, I actually lived like a street away. So I was able to just walk to work if it was snowing or whatever. Right on the Main Street area. Yep. So I was right on Route 6, which is right around the corner from there. And then after I sold the store, I moved to New York for a short period of time. And when I moved back, I moved to Middlebury. But I just recently moved back to Watertown about five, six months ago. Okay. Yeah. Glad to be back home. I grew up in the Woodbury area and mentioned this briefly before we started recording, but my brother and I started out our CrossFit journey in Watertown, at CrossFit Watertown back in the day. This was back in 2007, 2008. And when you were coming on the show today, I did not realize that you had also owned the Meat Center. And it was kind of a full circle thing for me because I remember going to the Meat Center very frequently back in the day. And it helped my brother and I out with our diet and everything quite a bit because we would get the chicken cordon bleu and other things that were sort of the pre-made meals and then we would take that home and eat it and it was one of my favorite places to go to and then i i just did not realize that you had sort of sold that place and then opened up local gourmet so it was kind of a full circle thing for me when i realized you're the same person so that's really cool for me uh, on this side so ashley where did you grow up i grew up in watertown also i just bought my own place Still in Watertown, Good and I'm you. loving that. I worked at the Watertown Meat Center for Christie. I went to school. I was going to school for art education, and my food journey just continued, and I find art in food, so I'm very happy still sticking with that. I would have assumed you had some sort of culinary background. Nope. No, so art <laughs> education. Yeah. Yep. 
Well, I mean, a culinary background and the fact that you work with food every day. Yeah. yeah. And has since she was 16. Yeah. Definitely plays a big part in my life. But I I had no, like, culinary drive growing up until I started working for her and watching her grow and do what she loves. It started, like, it ticked in my head that, like, I was like, all right, maybe food is for me. And it is. I love it. I cook at home now. I bake more. It just became a part of my, like, everyday journey now. Yeah, it becomes real passion, I think, for a lot of people. I definitely like go find local joints and I like to support all the local vendors and everything. Yeah. There's always something new to find in the food world. There really is. I've yeah. been trying to go to some more of the local places myself. I'm joking with my brother that I'm going to start doing bacon, egg, and cheese reviews around Connecticut <laughs> because I feel like every Friday I have a bacon, egg, and cheese. And I'm trying to get them from different places to see how they do. So Chrissy, you mentioned that you guys have a similar story in my opinion, which I thought was kind of cool, where you started working at the meat center and then it was a previous owner at the time, and you eventually took it over. Uh, yeah, so I started working there when I was 15. Um, and the reason why I started working there is because I could walk from the house that I was living at, my mom's house. And I couldn't drive because I was only 15. So it was literally the closest place I could work. And I was just dying to have a job. One of my friends had gotten a job there first, and she actually went to Taft. So she got out of school earlier. So she started working there in May. But because I was 15, I had to wait until I finished that uh, freshman year. I had talked to the owner, uh, who was the original owner of the meat center. And when my friend started working there and he was like, I'll come back when you're out of school. So here I was thinking that I had a job. So I showed up the day after my last day of school and I went into the store and I said, all right, I'm here to start work. And he's like, who are you? I don't even know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and my friend just happened to be working that day. And and I was so nervous because I was shy and quiet and I, I didn't know what to do. And he basically was like, well, I, I don't know. I guess you could stay. So I'm like, I wow, that was <laughs> that one moment of my life could have literally changed my entire life if he had told me to leave. Because yeah. I ended up working there for five years off and on all through high school. I came back during college breaks and summers. My boss ended up passing away in 2001. And I decided not to work there anymore because I was still going through some things with college. And I finished and I started another job right out of school. His family had sold it a couple of years later to another couple of people, two couples that had bought it together. But I'd always wanted to own it since I was 15. I used to always tell my old boss that one day I was going to own this place. And it was just like my dream. And I just kind of knew that was what was going to happen. And then the new owners of the store ended up closing the business in 2006. And that's when I had heard. So I went and looked at it and my dad became my business partner. And we bought it December 1st of 2006 and opened February 22nd of 2007. Now, was your family involved in small businesses before that? Um, my dad bought into a business. He always worked for IBM for a really long time in another okay. computer company. My mom works at Milford Hospital, but they were never really into business in the retail food side. But I had been since I was 15 and my boss had taught me a lot over the couple of years that I was there with him. It just kind of became a passion for me. So when this whole thing kind of came about, we always used to joke growing up, like I would come up with a new business plan all the time and I would share it with my dad. And I, you know, when I was in the job right after college, I was like, you know, I want to open my own business. I went to business for entrepreneurial studies and marketing. So I would come home and be like, oh, this is my new plan today. You know, I want to open the Sierra Grill. And it was always food related, everything that I wanted to do. And he would always be like, no, no, no. Like, that's not a good idea. What about this? What about that? And he always used to joke, the only thing I'll ever back you in is the meat center. So when we got the phone call that they had shut their doors, it was from the landlord of the business, who was my old boss's wife. We had kept in touch. And she said, you know, I think that this is going to happen. So I was like, okay, are you ready to, you know, yeah. do what we had always talked about? Like he said, you're only back me if it's meat center. Well, the meat center is available. So let's try this. It was kind of a long shot, but we had to start the whole thing from scratch because the business was closed at that point for a couple months. I feel like I remember when that happened. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was definitely a, an a interesting journey at the age of 24, but it was great. It was an amazing experience, you know, to be able to start something from scratch and change the layout of things a little bit where there was never a kitchen there before. So I always wanted to add in a kitchen and a sandwich station where we could actually make sandwiches in a designated area because mm-hmm. um, it wasn't really set up for that before. So we just made some changes right away and then kept the core of it the same. So basically just adding in the prepared foods. And from there, it just kind of grew and we evolved and changed and bought new cases and kept kind of expanding what we were offering for the prepared food side. And that's, I think, where I started to realize that I loved food because I didn't have a big culinary upbringing either. Yeah. Um, but it's just something that became more passionate for me. And after I started the store, I realized quickly that there's a lot of food in this produce department 
especially that if we're not busy, because we weren't very busy in the beginning, I'm like, I need to know what to do with all this food. Like I need to know how to, to turn it into something else and how to, you know, better utilize the products that, um, that I have in the store to cook more food and have more offerings for my customers. And I really wanted to start catering. Yeah. Um, so I did go back to culinary school at night while having the store. So that was like a year and a half intensive program. So I did that and was working full time. Might have taken a nap or two in the office <laughs> occasionally. It, it happens. Yeah, it was a little bit of a rough rough time for sleep wise, but it was great and I loved it. So we kind of like launched a whole new catering menu after I was done with school. And then that kind of helped develop our, like where the prepared foods really went from there because it just kind of spurred some new ideas and, and new new thoughts. And Ashley, you started working there when you were 15? 16. 16. Yeah. My older sister was actually working for her and she was like, hey, like we need some help. And I was like, okay, literally turned 16 that week. I went and applied and I was so scared because of my first job. I had no idea what to expect and she hired me and I started off as the register employee, just stocking shelves, fixing the produce case and all that stuff. Yeah, just doing whatever you can do. Yeah. Yeah. And then once I turned 18, I started making sandwiches and then I started seeing more of like the behind the scenes of it and actually watching her cook in the kitchen, watching the flow of everything. And then I became a supervisor and and I just got really hooked into the business of food. There's yeah. so much to learn, so much to see. So many people that like food effects. I really enjoyed it. And just watching her cook and everything, I was like, all right, this might be it for me. Like the food world is calling me. Yeah, I think it's it's one thing to stock the shelves and work at cash registers. I think, I think to, for you to work your way up to supervisor and now you're the general manager at, at local gourmet puts you in sort of a different perspective. You're in a very different driver's seat at the end. Yeah. Like you're much more aware of some of the back end stuff, all the operations that need to actually go into place to actually bring together the finished product at the end of the day. Yeah. It's a very cool evolution. Yeah. It's rewarding too. It would make people happy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really does. It's one of those things that can bring people together on a very different level. Even I did my honeymoon in Greece. And there are places that we went where one of the things that I remember from there is the food. And it's just one of those things that has a very sort of surreal connection with a lot of people. And it, it can bring you back to a certain place. It can remind you of certain things. And it, it's a very powerful medium. I know you said your background is in art and that's transferred over to food for you. So it really does have an impact on a lot of people, which is very cool. So you sold the meat center in 2016 yeah. and you opened up local gourmet in 2018. Mm -hmm. So that'll be three years this May. I imagine it was different because when you took over the meat center, there was a business that was there. They had the shelving. I mean, you said you had a kitchen and some of this stuff, yep. but it wasn't a clean slate. No. And that came with its own hurdles because yeah. you have a lot of expectations when things were done a certain way for so long. So to try to change certain things, it was very difficult in the beginning, even as far as just pricing. Pricing just changes, especially with a commodity like meat. Yeah. Um, you know, the prices change. And it was, that was difficult in the beginning because I was still trying to learn the meat side because I was a register clerk. I never worked in the deli. I never worked on the meat counter. Like I helped out everywhere when they needed help, but I was a register employee. You know, I was in charge of stocking and merchandising and yeah. doing the produce and handling customer issues up front and things like that and placing orders but i was never versed in meat so i had to like learn how to cut meat real quick <laughs> when we opened <laughs> and learn how to use a deli slicer i was petrified um i'm like you know i hired people to work the deli and i had never used a slicer myself and then one day the line was like out the door and my board said guy was there and he was like you need to get on the slicer <laughs> so they jumped on and the next thing you know i'm slicing a couple hundred pounds of cheese a day and <laughs> you know it's fine but the um i don't even remember what we talked about I, so I was curious about sort of going from having a business that was sort of established where there these existing oh, yeah. systems and once you going to the local gourmet, which is what you guys own now. So I, I think the meat center is a very cool background and origin yeah. story. Part of why I want you on here today is to talk about local gourmet, obviously. Yeah. You know, from my perspective, the finished product of local gourmet is amazing. I mean, I love the subway tile. I love the ambiance of the space. I love how everything's very rustic. I'm curious about some of the challenges of going from something that was established to having a clean slate. I'm sure there are lessons learned from the meat center that kind of inspired you. But where did this vision for local gourmet come from? So I think it was the the journey of while I was at the store, it was overwhelming, the the meat center. It was a small market, but it was a huge business. And there were so many different facets to it. So there was the produce, there was the meat, there was the deli, there was the prepared foods, there was the register side, then the general business yeah, side. Because they also did butchering there, I believe. Yeah, it was a full butcher shop. Which is why it's called a meat center. Yeah, so uh, like to manage a full butcher shop and a deli, they're basically two separate entities, plus the grocery, plus we had just shy of 50 employees that were working there at any given time. It was a lot. It was, a, it was an overwhelming job. I loved it. Um, it was definitely a challenge. It was a great learning experience. But I feel like a lot of the time that I was there, I always had on the back burner that 
you know, you, th- you always see things as opportunity, but there's certain, mm-hmm. like you said, you were taking over a business that already existed in some way, even though we had made a lot of changes, there's only so much that you can change. So without completely shutting the store down and reopening it brand new. So I think I, it was never a thought originally to have a second store. I was actually burnt out with food at the end, which is why I sold it in the first place because yeah. I worked seven days a week for nine and a half years and it was just time for me to get out and I wanted to try something new. Yeah, which is very real. Yeah, it was, it was a lot. I moved to New York and I did not succeed in New York. <laughs> I lasted about six months. Um, but my thought when I went there was to learn something else that could be a passion for me because I thought that food was my passion at that time, but I was burnt out on it. So I went there and I did jewelry making classes and photography classes and sewing classes. And I felt like I needed this creative outlet. And then I started applying for jobs and nobody would hire me. I'm like, this is crazy. I promise I will be the hardest working person you have ever met in your life. And I couldn't get a job. So it, it was just very humbling. And I just decided that I needed to move home because I also missed my family. You know, I missed my friends and I kind of picked up and moved very quickly. And I never had a chance to enjoy being here with mm-hmm. anybody that I cared about. So I ended up coming back and a friend of mine who actually owned the liquor store next to the meat center was looking for somebody to help him okay. get through the holidays. Yeah. Not at that location. He has two other stores in New Milford. So he knew I was not doing anything at the time. I and mean, he basically was like, do you want to be my manager for the holidays? And it was not just supposed to be for the holidays at that time with him. But I ended up staying there for about four months. And so I learned a whole new industry. The liquor industry is a completely different industry. Yes, it is. But retail is retail. So it was uh, something that I found myself very interested in. I started learning about wine and just learning about a whole bunch of new things. So that kind of like brought me back to being closer to the food side. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I ended up getting a job with Bazudos. So there was an opening that had come up. And one of I used to get my food from Bazudos, the majority of my products delivered from them. So it was a wholesale job, the other side of food. So it was something that I had never done. Is Bazudos, I'm sorry, are they a distributor? Yes. Okay. Yep. They're based out of Cheshire. So they're a very large distributor. They go from Maine all the way down to like the Maryland area. Okay. The name sounds familiar. Yeah. They also own all the Adam stores, um, the Adam supermarkets. Yeah. So I basically started working with them and I worked with them for just shy of a year. But my job was to go from Connecticut to Maine, visiting local grocery stores and trying to teach them what I did at the meat center. Mm -hmm. So that is kind of where the local gourmet process kind of started because I started going and seeing all these stores that I had never been to before all over the state, parts of the state that I was never in. I had to go to Rhode Island and Massachusetts, all the way up to Maine, which I loved getting the opportunity to go to Maine. Um, it's so a lot of driving though. It was a lot of driving, especially <laughs> when you're, you were stuck in the same four walls for a decade and then yeah. you're driving four to six hours a day for your job. It was a lot, but I got to see some very cool things. And as time progressed, I would say it was from like April until November. And by the end, I was like, I'm seeing all these different things. And I kept kind of writing down thoughts and ideas. Then all of a sudden my brain started turning and I was like, oh God, this is happening again. <laughs> I, I think I'm going to open a business. And so I, you know, I started planning things out and I have a whole bunch of notepads since I was in high school that I randomly find when I clean out drawers and things like that, that I like, I'll get an idea and I'll start writing things down of like, oh, if I was to buy this or if I was to do this or if I was to own this. But the thought of the local gourmet was different because it was creating, like you said, from a blank slate. It was, yeah. So it was, I was able to say, okay, these are the things that I liked and these are the things that I didn't like. What would I do differently if I could do it again? If this was me talking to myself mm-hmm. when I was 24, before I started the meat center, like what would I tell myself that would be different or what could I do different? The biggest thing for me was not opening on Sundays because I said I can't do that again. I can't do seven days a week again. I just didn't have any quality of life when I was there because I just worked too much and I put too much into it. It's hard to release when, you know, the business is still operating when you're not there. So that not working on Sundays was like a big deal for me. And then from there, it just was like, okay, what are, what are your favorite parts? What do we love to do? We loved making sandwiches and salads. And I always was drawn to the salad that you get or like the salad options you get in New York City when mm-hmm. I was there. How you can go and have them tossed, you know, for you right then and there, which is what we do at the store. So I just kind of wanted to combine all my favorite things and then prepared foods. So we we don't have the butcher counter. We don't have we have, we do do sliced meat now. Um, as far as deli meat goes, that's more of a thing that happened with COVID. That we bought a second slicer so that we could offer that as an option, but that wasn't our plan originally to be able to offer that. But prepared foods is what we what we love. It's what you know I love to cook. So it was something that I wanted to be able to say I get to go to work and create something again every day. So that was kind of it. It was like inspiration from different areas that I had gotten the opportunity to travel to during my employment with Bazudos and just things that you pick up that you like other places and just like yeah. all your favorite things combined into one and then just try to make it work. That's really cool. And actually you, 
so when she was off traveling in New York City and running back and forth to Maine and all this other stuff, you said you moved on to Panera Bread for a little bit? Yeah. While I was showing the ropes to the new owners of the meat center, I chose to pick up a second job because I was getting to the point where I was like, all right, maybe the meat center isn't for me for a while, you Mm -hmm. know? So I started working at Panera because they were hiring for a new manager position there. And I loved being in charge at the meat center. So I was like, let me try like another setting. And it's a completely different story. Well, I mean, it's much more corporate. Uh Uh-huh. That's a big thing. Going from sort of a local Yeah, family owned. Yeah. Yeah. So that was big for me. That was a whole game changer. And as I was doing it, I wasn't loving it, but I was along for the ride because I was like, maybe once I reach this point, like it'll be for me. Maybe I'll find enjoyment in it. And I didn't, but I stuck it out just because I was needing more money at the time. Yeah. And like a couple months into that, that's when Chrissy reached out to me and I was like, perfect timing. Like I could not ask for a better time. So my journey ended there. And then we started creating this and that was our every day. (laughs) What's interesting too, is that we both had the meat center as our first jobs. Yeah. And when I was up in college, I was actually working for Bertucci's. So where she had the Panera corporate aspect of her education, if you will, behind her, I had Bertucci's behind me. So we both had the corporate setting and we both take a lot of what we learned at those corporate settings well, into I think how there, we relay. There is value to a lot of that lot. stuff. Yeah. I mean, just the systems a that huge. they have in place. Mm-hmm. It's a very different operation, obviously, because they're dealing with these systems franchises and, and everything and else. Absolutely. We have documents, spreadsheets, spec sheets, Every single thing that we do is weighed out, measured, recorded, and it's repetitive so that we want you to have the same experience here today, tomorrow, the next day, um, which is what we strive for when wherever we're training new people. You know, we have all those documents that we've created since the beginning when we started the store. And that, that's something that I learned at Bertucci's. She learned at Panera. Yeah. Every single thing is measured out to a certain spec oh, when yeah. you're at those places because they want it to be the same in Southbury as it is in Southington or Waterbury mm-hmm. or wherever else you're having it. And we both kind of take that same motto instead of just, you know, walking in a place where at the meat center we didn't have, we had specs for like certain prepared foods, but it was not the same level. Like we you know, we said we want everybody to be on the same page at this store. So we took a lot of time to develop all those documents and things so that we had like a baseline for educating all the new people that we hire over the course of our employment, you know. A personal pet peeve of mine is there's a couple of places where I go to and I don't want to blast on the show, but if I order a sandwich, depending on when I get the sandwich and who makes it, it's going to be a very different sandwich. Yeah. Like, you know who works what day, you know what day to go to get that one right. sandwich you like, because you know, if you go on a Friday, that one person's going to make it different. Having that consistency, I think yeah. is really important. I was always curious about where did the name local gourmet come from? My brother and I had to <laughs> deal with this with the gym right now, not net right now, but when we opened up. We went through a list of maybe five or six names before we settled on Strongtown. And it's one of those things like it doesn't seem like a big decision, but it is a big decision. Like you're committing to it. Like this is your brand and you're committing to that. So where did local gourmet come from? You know, in hindsight, it seems to make so much sense. Like, oh yeah, local gourmet is perfect. So it was one of those notebooks where I just started writing down all these different thoughts of different combinations of names. Mm -hmm. And the word local kept coming up. The word gourmet kept coming up and kitchen kept coming up. So it was like I basically was coming out and I threw it out to my sister and a couple friends and everything. And I was like, okay, like, what do you guys think? Like, if what about these names or whatever? And so everybody was trying to come up with different names. And that was just the one that kind of kept coming up. And I would like flip the page and I would start writing down more names. And then a couple of days later, I would go back and I was like, oh, I repeated that name a couple of times. And yeah. it kept popping up. And I was like, I feel like this just has to be the name. But the focus was supposed to be more on the local gourmet kitchen and market. Okay. And the kitchen and market part is never, <laughs> it's like it doesn't even exist in the, in the logo, but it's actually part of the logo. That to me, the kitchen and market was like we literally own two spaces mm-hmm. one's a kitchen and one's a market for me that was kind of like the coming together of the name but nobody calls it that it's just the local gourmet people are always going to abbreviate yeah we strived in the beginning to have so many local products in you know local jam jelly sauces honeys as many as we could find and we still have a handful of them but a lot of the stuff that we've tested over the, the almost three years we've been there just wasn't selling so we've just we've had to replace it with just offering more of our own food so whereas we had a much bigger local presence for those products in the beginning we try our hardest to still incorporate what we can you know we still carry fascist chocolates and mm-hmm. southbury baking company and a lot of like really great products that sell really well just a lot of the, the more retail items like the glass jars of the salsas and the jams and the jellies and stuff they just weren't really selling in the beginning but we really wanted to have more of a local presence which is why we wanted that local name to be in there too yeah um, so we still try our hardest to incorporate as many local companies in our mix as possible because we want to support other local businesses that support us too 
That makes a lot of sense. When you say you have two units, is there A and a B? So B is actually an entire kitchen that's the same size as A. So you don't. Is that kind of behind the cash register? I see there's a door that goes back Mm -hmm. there. (laughs) Yeah, that's where all the magic happens. Okay. Yep, it's literally the same size as the store. So we have two like mirror places. So it used to be a candy company on the retail side. And I remember that place. Other side was. They actually did um, some good donuts. Oh, did they? Yeah. (laughs) My niece used to do cooking classes there or like candy classes for birthday parties. Yeah. She went there a couple of times. And then the spot where our kitchen is was actually Weikert Realty before we had it. So it was cubes and carpet and things like that. So we pretty much gutted both sides. Um, but we have a full kitchen that's the same size as the retail side. I did yeah. not realize that. I, yeah. 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 Take a peek back next time. <laughs> <laughs> Which does make sense because you're obviously not producing all the food that you exactly. guys are yeah. making at that little sort of deli counter. Yeah. When we started, we said this kitchen is huge. It's almost too big because we were walking in circles to try to find things because, you know, you're trying to figure out your layout for cooking and minimizing your space so that you aren't taking too many steps. And now we're like, we need a bigger kitchen. Yeah. We (laughs) need more tables. (laughs) Yeah. Quickly outgrowing workspace. No, it's very cool. Who helped you with the design of the space in terms of laying things out, the subway tiles, the rustic, was that all just notebook thoughts for you or did you work with an architect? So Kevin Bennett is our landlord. So Mm -hmm. his team actually did all the architectural design as far as like layout for, you know, the floor, the walls, all that kind of stuff. I picked out the wall itself, like the type of walls that we wanted, the accent wall that we have Mm -hmm. um, and things like that. Like that was kind of my notebook ideas, but he actually designed it. And it's funny because we obviously work with the health department whenever you're doing a floor floor print for anything that's food. And we were working with Mona and she had requested that we made some different changes. And I always laugh because there was a couple things that we hadn't even considered when we were doing the original floor print. And she had asked us to add in like an extra fridge here and a couple other things. And we use them all the time. It was basically a collaboration. You know, we presented the floor plan. She kind of went over. It was like, no, we need to see more refrigeration here, more refrigeration here in these two different areas, different hand sink locations, things like that. And they, they were actually extremely useful (laughs) because Obviously, she does her job very well. Yeah. Um, and then Kevin was able to kind of re-engineer things on the paper before we started doing any of the build-outs. Um, and everything just kind of worked out really well. And how long was the process between the build-out and some of the conception stuff and actually opening your doors for business? So we started, we got the lease on January 23rd of 2018, and we opened May 14th. That's actually pretty quick. Very quick. Yeah. <laughs> Very quick. I'm not going to That's actually yeah. quicker than I thought it was going to be. We had the lease in January, but they didn't start work for probably two weeks after we had to finalize all the paperwork, all the layouts and things like that. So the majority of the work was done between the end of February and the beginning of April. And then it was more just final touches for the last two weeks. You know, the hood installation, because that had to be ordered. So that was like a length of time out and then just getting all mm-hmm. the wiring done and things like that. But it was pretty quick. It happened really fast. It was very fast. <laughs> it's happening fast. <laughs> it's still happening yeah. fast. Yeah. But it's, it's been great just when we sort of moved into this place here it was one of those things that i feel like you're constantly hitting roadblocks along the way where i felt like everything was good and then it's like well you need this approval and then we need to go before the zoning board to get a special exception and then we literally have like nothing in here it's basically a warehouse space but it it does take time and i think you always bump into these things that you don't necessarily expect along the way Mm mm-hmm Kevin like, was really great to deal with with all that, too, because yeah. he has been through it so many times. He has, yeah. Yeah, so he was very helpful with kind of leading us down the road of what needs to be done next in order to get things going. Our biggest roadblock of being open was our second day of business. Oh, yes. Okay. I want to hear the story. <laughs> the tornado that hit Southbury was our second day of business, where we lost power. There were trees down. We lost our first week of being open. Yeah, we op- we were open for a day and a half. Yeah, and then we had to we were closed until Friday. It was crazy. Did we- you still have power? Or like, no. do you have? Nope. nope. Did you lose a lot of that product? Because I know food doesn't do well if it's not being refrigerated. Well, we donated all that. Yeah, food. we yeah. donated most of it. Yeah, because we had it. So it's a 16 foot case that we have in the back of the store, yeah. um, which we had literally spent the last two days before we opened just cooking nonstop to fill it. Because that's a lot of food to fill for the first time. You know, yeah. to keep it full is different, but to fill it for the first time, it's a lot, a lot yeah. of food. I can imagine. So we um, we lost power on Tuesday, and it just we had no idea when it was coming back. So we obviously can't wait too long because you know after four hours your food is going to start having bacteria and things. It's not, it's no longer safe. So we ended up donating it to the fire department. So they shared with the police department and all like the utility people in town that were working to fix things and whatnot. So we literally just took the entire store down and brought it to them so that it didn't go in the garbage because we didn't want that to happen. Our board's head vendor actually let us borrow a van for the first night. And so we brought all of the stuff that was in the back of the house, like all the food that 
that we were using to cook with. We were able to get that all in the truck, but the next morning they needed their truck back so that they could do delivery. So they ended up bringing the food down to their warehouse and helping us out. So we didn't lose all of that, but we pretty much had to start from scratch a couple of days later. So is that something insurance would help you guys uh, out yeah. with? Or? Okay. Yeah, they did. But as a business that's been open for a day, well, <laughs> yeah. kind of a difficult, <laughs> they weren't super happy, but it was, uh, yeah, they were, they were definitely helpful. And then we just had to start over and we're like, okay, well, you know, we weren't able to do anything or test anything because we had no power, but that one day of business that we had, which was not very busy, mm-hmm. but we also weren't able to, there's no test mode for our square POS system. So we weren't able to do a lot of like testing beforehand. So there was a lot of things that kept coming up that we realized on our first day of business that yeah. we were able to kind of feel out and able to fix once we got the power back on. You just got to roll with the punches. And then we just started again that weekend and have been moving ever since. Well, I'm curious, do you think that was a little bit of a sort of a silver lining? There's a part of me when I hear that, it almost sounds like kind of like a grill marketing type thing where you're able to, and obviously it wasn't your intent, but I mean, by being able to give all that food to the fire department and the police department, it kind of gets you foot in the door there where, Definitely. you know, they're obviously grateful for the food. It gives them a chance to try it. And then have you felt like a lot of those people have become clients or that you've seen them back over the years? Oh, yeah. They, yeah. yeah, they definitely frequently shop there. We, yeah. They give us a lot of support, which is which is great. It's very cool. Yeah. I, I did not realize that the timing of that that was with the tornado. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, definitely a day to remember, that's for sure. It was funny because one of our friends was um, sitting there having lunch, and I didn't know. We don't have TVs in the store, so... I honestly had no idea that there was a tornado blowing through. And one of our sales reps had come into the store like a half an hour earlier. And he's like, oh, you know, you have to be careful with the weather. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, we're like in the zone. It's it's our second day. Like, we don't even know what's happening. Yeah. So one of our friends was just sitting in the window and I had stopped over to say hi and whatnot. And all of a sudden the sky got really ominous. And all of a sudden the wind started whipping. And I was like, wait, is this actually happening? And it literally blew like right by us so i was like we need to move away and there wasn't a lot of people left there was like three people in the store one of my other friends had just left with her son and she barely made it to her dad's house because there was trees down all over yeah but it was crazy i'm like we had one of our employees had a tree laying across her car my side mirror on my car got knocked (laughs) off it was just it was a mess i was like okay well here we are it's one of those experiences where you look at it like, well, it's all going to be downhill from here. It's not going to be this bad again. Right. One of my good friends growing up owns the uh, one of the ice cream shops in Newtown. Uh, holy cow. And losing the power is the worst thing that can happen to him with oh, just yeah. the dairy products and all that stuff. It does not do well when it's not refrigerated. Yes. Um, Especially ice cream because you have to have it so cold. Yeah. And they have one of the big freezers, but then there's all the ice cream that they've made. That's another subject, but it's definitely tough. Yes, for sure. So you guys have a very impressive following on instagram i don't know who does your social media for you but we do <laughs> <laughs> she says we nicely she yeah. takes care of most of it christy's point to she, Ashley, yeah. Yeah. The people that are listening. i'll take a picture or two and then she does all the fun stuff so actually that's kind of your thing you're into the social media and you help them out with that yeah i mean me personally i'm not crazy on my social media yeah. but neither am i yeah but to have the drive to push our business out there it's definitely helpful you know what i mean there's so much out there that like i learned from just scrolling through other pages mm-hmm. that i have no idea that you can do that on your phone but people definitely follow hashtags people are following our name the stories i've learned people are picking up on that more it's helpful for us to post like our daily soups, our specials and stuff like that. But it's a lot. As much as it helps, I also feel like it's very tough to actually get to the people because Instagram changes their algorithm constantly. So it's so hard to keep up with what people are actually looking for when they go on their social media. It is. And I feel like social media is one of those things. It never ends. Yeah. It's literally every day that and. I think the way people use it is they expect to see something on there every day. So you need to be consistent with that. Another friend of mine has a, what's he called? He does some sort of scotch tasting Mm -hmm. review thing and Mm -hmm. he's done very well with it. And there was a point where he had a pretty bad accident and he wasn't able to post for a couple months. And he said once he started getting back into it, he had very little traction on his posts. The algorithm wasn't sharing his stuff. He wasn't getting the same engagement that he used to get. It's kind of that whole like, you know, what have you done for me recently type thing. Yeah. And that's what's tough with us doing it is that we get so busy with the store and so sidetracked that it's not in the back of my head like, oh, I need to post this. Yeah. I'm worrying about the customers that are physically in our store. Mm -hmm. So that's tough because if I go a couple days without posting stuff, our posts never pop up on your main screen. So that's why I'm trying to focus more on the stories because people tend to just click through those. Yes. 
So that's a big thing. But Instagram is a whole different world. <laughs> it is. I definitely notice more traction from Instagram than Facebook, though. I agree. And granted, we're in sort of different businesses for yeah. us. Instagram has a lot more of a connection to current members that are here. We try to take videos and pictures of people working out during the class, and then we tag them in them. And what's nice is that they can then share that. Onto their personal onto page. Onto their stories and get exposure out there a little bit more. Facebook, I've always looked at, is more for prospective clients. We have a person who comes in here and he does some photography work for us. And what we take those photos and we put them on Facebook and I try to do a nice little caption with them. But it's always geared more about potentially trying to get someone into the gym. Mm -hmm. Because people try to find your Facebook page. They like your Facebook mm -hmm. page. They're looking at your reviews on there. Whereas Instagram, it's your returning customers who want to see what you're doing new and now. I definitely agree with that. Just going back to the whole Panera and Bertucci's things. Mm -hmm. Do you have any systems that you use for social media or is it really just trying to? No. <laughs> It's whatever I choose to do for that day, but nobody ever showed me like the ropes of Instagram. So that's one of the things thing. that I found super helpful is that I have a big Google sheet or Excel spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. I call it my creative tracker. I'm going to share this for all our listeners right now. I'm going to give away my secrets, but every write-up that I do on a post, I put in there and then I put the date that I posted it. And what's nice is now I have a whole library of a hundred plus of these little stories or captions. So if I can't think of something to write, I just, I'm able to go back and see, oh, I haven't posted this since last February or last January. So I'll then do a copy paste and repost it. I like that. And then I try to keep adding them in there, but it becomes just this running document for me, you know, because especially with social media, you have the, there's the creative, you have the picture or the video or whatever it is you're sharing. And then you have the copy, which is the little word thing that goes below it. So yeah. this is why I use to track all my copy or all my little write-ups. And then it makes it easier to then go back to it. And then even if, if I miss a day and I have to have Mikey sort of post something, he can kind of go in there and pull something out. It's made managing social media a lot easier for us. So if you're not doing that, I would highly suggest yes, thank creating, you. creating a Google Sheet and just thank sort of you. dumping them in there. It's just a running document. We spoke a little bit about what brought Local Gourmet about. You guys have been around for, I think, three years now. It'll be three years in May. And when we were talking before we got on the show, I, one of the things that I really thought was kind of cool is that you said you're always changing things, which is something that I mentioned that it drives my brother nuts when I do here. But I, I think it's a very important part of any business just to try to look at what's happening, what, what's working, what isn't working. Is there anything that you don't mind talking or sharing about? Do you have a vision for Local Gourmet in terms of where you'd like to see it go? Or is there anything that you're trying to work on with it now? So we've been really focusing for the last two months, especially since like after the holidays, to try to get back on track with all the projects that we've been talking about doing for the last two years. Obviously, the whole pandemic created a whole different approach to our business um, mm -hmm. than we were originally planning. So we are kind of going back to things that we have said before that, that we wanted to work on and do. We basically would just like to maximize the amount of prepared foods that we're offering. So we've been playing with rearranging the store, trying to figure out the right layout so that the cases are being utilized to their best potential. We recently added in a new case as of September. It was something that we were planning on doing pre-pandemic and then we had to wait for a little while. So we finally got the new case in in September. We were starting off by having produce and dairy and things like that that people have been requesting over the pandemic. But little by little, people are going back to grocery stores. So I don't feel like they need us for that purpose anymore. And so th the sales of those items just weren't there. And so we basically just decided to drop most of those items and just start selling more of our own food. Yeah. And this has given us the opportunity to start being more creative with some of the things that we had said that we wanted to expand on. So we just recently this week expanded on our sandwich grab-and-go selections. We added in a new style bread that we don't offer at the counter so that we were able to kind of double the amount of sandwiches that we're offering because part of the problem is that we get so busy during lunch. Everyone eats lunch at the same time. Yes. So it creates this crazy situation in the store and everybody goes to the counter to order. We're trying to influence people to also go to the back case because we literally make the sandwiches and salads all day, every day. So we come in in the morning, we have a beginning list, we have a middle list we go back and fill it again and we fill it again and we fill it again so what you're getting is just as fresh in the back case as it is if you were having it made at the counter it was probably just made 20 minutes ago before the lunch rush started so we're trying to put more volume out there so that we can kind of get through lunch we just recently as of like three days ago started offering proteins that you would get on your salad offered on the side mm -hmm. of the grab-and-go salad so that we can make more salad varieties and then you can kind of customize your salad however you like so we're doing portions of breaded chicken grilled chicken buffalo chicken we have salmon, like half portions of salmon. Mm -hmm. So it's not a full like dinner size portion. Shrimp, you know, tuna salad, things like that, that you would normally order at the counter. We're offering out there now. 
basically just trying to make it as user-friendly as possible for our customers to be able to, A, come in and come out as fast as they want. I know, especially with the pandemic, people want to be in and out. They're not looking to spend a lot of time in places and we are nice and small, trying to be able to give them the opportunity to get what they are looking for and customize things that they like. But that's basically what we're trying to do is just showcase as much of our own food as possible in those two refrigerated cases. And for me, that's one of the things that's always attracted me to your business is that I'm always on the run myself. So I like being able to walk in and just go grab something that's pre-made and be able to go and not have to wait for the sandwich to be made or not have to wait for whatever I want to. I, I kind of basically live in that back case and then I'll grab whatever I need and then I can kind of go on with my day. And that's one of those things that I, I've always appreciated that you guys do have that that offering back there. I will say sometimes the counter selection, the food just looks amazing in there. I feel like I get caught in this weird situation where I go to the back case. I'm like, oh, it looks so good up there. Even though I know it's the same stuff, I think it's just a psychological perception in terms Mm -hmm. of being able to see the display and see Mm -hmm. these beautiful white bowls and everything just looks really, really nice. Yeah. It's funny because we originally didn't have that case when we first started. We didn't buy that until almost a year in. And it was a conversation that we went back and forth with because 90% of the stuff that we're selling comes out of the back case because people don't have time and they just want to be able to grab it and Mm -hmm. go and move on with their day. We also had those customers that were requesting larger quantities of deli salads and things like that. But at the end of the day, we're still selling more deli salads out back. So we've kind of just recently moved into testing different proteins in the window so that you can get as large or a small a quantity because we have a lot of people that will come in and just want two chicken wings, two chicken tenders, one chicken cutlet. They don't want a larger portion that they might get in the back. So we've started trying to put all the deli salads just out back. And it's just, it just seems like it's working (laughs) really well. And we're able to offer different items in the other case. So it's, it's constantly changing with us. We just, you know, trying to figure out what people want and where they want it located. But we appreciate that you like how everything looks in the window. Side note, CrossFitters, love being able to have options of customizing their protein yeah so the fact that they can order grilled chicken fried chicken salmon whatever you want and that becomes sort of a customizable option that's something that i think a lot of people like or at least our members when they start trying to get into nutrition a little bit more they're one of the things that people are always concerned about is their protein intake i think a lot of people most diets in general tend to be a little bit carb heavy so being able to add in extra protein if they want it or, or customize it or I think that's a very cool offering as well yeah and we did have a lot of customers that were mentioning that they wanted and even just not with the accompaniment so like not necessarily pork over the side dishes they just wanted you know they want the pork by itself they mm-hmm. want to be able to pick and choose their own things so that's kind of what we've been focusing on for the last few weeks is just adding in like towards the right hand side of the back case like a whole little area of other options and then also in the window so you can get larger portions of it yeah i like that i appreciate both you ladies coming on the show today this has been really cool for me to meet you guys and sort of chat and catch up normally when i end these episodes i like to run through a few rapid fire questions they're just sort of standard questions and it gives me a little bit of consistency to these episodes and since i have two of you we're going to kind of be going back and forth so christy i'm going to start with you and then we're going to ashley and then ashley i'll probably stay with you for the next question the first question i always like to start with is if you had the ability to go back in time and send yourself a message on your first day starting out, and I guess we can, for the purpose of this conversation, I guess maybe we can say this is the meat center for you when you're both sort of new employees and this was new to you, what would that message be? Um, if we want to go all the way back to the beginning. Well, we can when... have two answers and you can say your first day at Local Gourmet too. Okay. So for, for the meat center, I would say going back to the very beginning, it would be to just keep dreaming and don't give up. Because it's something that no matter how many different ideas that we have, we just keep striving and doing new things. And not that I ever did give up growing up, but like I never would have thought back then at the age of 15 that this is kind of where my life would be at the age of 39, like having now owned my second business and just really embracing the food industry. So just sticking with it and trying your hardest and just don't give up and don't burn out. That's what I would have said. That's a good answer. Yeah. If you could send yourself a message on your first day at Local Gourmet, would it be the same or would it be different? Open a week later. (laughs) (laughs) After the tornado. That's fair. Um, (laughs) No, I would have said, honestly, I I would re- organize some of the items in the kitchen, I would probably relocate where things are located to make it a little bit easier for certain flows, which is something that customers would never see because it's on the kitchen side. So Mm -hmm. I would probably have a different walk-in cooler and different like stove configuration just to make it easier for us because there's certain things. It does make a difference. It makes a huge difference. And there's just two things that I would probably change on the back of the house, which kind of limits 
a couple things that we can do, but it's nothing that we can't work around. And I would say the other thing is you will get your life back. So don't just hang in there. So I recently just started taking uh, one day off a week. We are closed on Sundays. So mm-hmm. that is like everyone's day off. Um, but I just recently started taking Wednesdays off also, which is like a full day. And that's something that I never actually thought that I was going to be able to do. But Ashley's there and she's in charge and she's able to do everything without me. And I don't need to be there that one day. I have a great kitchen manager who has really embraced everything that is being done in the kitchen. So I am able to step back and kind of relinquish a little bit. And that's something that I think control has been an that's issue for me to walk away. To do. It is. It yeah. is. That's what I struggle with. And I'm, I think I'm doing really well this year. This <laughs> has been a good, a good two months of trying to take a day off and kind of have a little more time to rejuvenate. And I honestly feel like because I'm taking that time, I'm, I produce all day while I'm at work. I'm generally doing cooking for the majority of my day. So I try to think and produce while managing the four or five other people that are in the kitchen with me. So a lot of times my brain just doesn't stop working. So me not being there on Wednesdays has kind of given me the ability to say, okay, these are the projects that we've been talking about for two years and let's do it because now I have time to kind of like clear the brain out midweek and reset. And so we've, I just feel like we've been putting so much more things into action that we've been talking about. And I think that is part of the reason because I'm able to like reset during the week and kind of regroup and take time to and I think it's so easy just to get caught up in the day-to-day hustle where sometimes it's hard to take that step back and look at some of the bigger picture stuff for what's not getting done. And it's you know, there's always going to be a crisis of the day or, or something that needs to get done. So that's a good answer. Ashley. She stole my answer. <laughs> most cliche answer. No, but it's it's true. Don't give up and like don't let the hard days like get the best of you. Keep being creative. Keep coming up with new ideas. And if the new ideas don't work, don't let that be like your end. Like let that help your new beginning and let it help you figure out what's next. There's always ideas that we come up with and it might not work, but from that not working, it helps us find a new idea that's going to work and that's going to stick with us. So I think that's a big thing. And like, don't be afraid of failure. Don't be afraid to try that new thing and don't let it beat you up if it doesn't work out. I think that's a big thing for me. And like, don't be afraid to ask questions. I think that was my biggest thing that I would regret is that I didn't ask more questions while I was at Panera. I didn't ask more questions while I was still at the meat center. Yeah. So go with your gut and there's no right or wrong thing to say or do. Yeah. No, really. That's a good answer. Yeah. So Ashley, we're going to stay with you for the second question so she can't steal your answer. (laughs) You guys did touch on this one a little bit, but I'm curious if it'll change at all. I guess, what would you say is your most memorable moment at Local Gourmet outside of the tornado? I don't know. Um, I would probably say our one-year anniversary. That day was awesome just to see how many people have stuck with us since the first day of opening and all our family and friends that have continued to support us through this time. I think that was a big part is just like, and just the consistency of seeing the same faces and everything that just like really makes me happy to see Mm -hmm. that we have all this support behind us, whether it's people from town or people that we actually know, but just to see that like we have succeeded and we are still succeeding and just seeing the difference that we've made in the town is just great every day i hear something new from a different customer of them thanking us of them loving what we're doing and that we've just became a part of their everyday life like that's just rewarding in its own but specifically the first year just to see that we've had all those people behind us on our journey so I would say that. Yeah, that you've impacted all these lives. Yeah. Yeah, which is really very powerful. Yeah. Christy, no pressure. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> Pondering my answer now, and I think that I... So for you, the question, I'm, I'm just going to change it up just a okay. little bit, but for your question, it's basically, you know, what is your most memorable moment as a business owner? So Ashley, I was saying strictly local gourmet, but for you, if you want to go back a little farther to the meat center or anything like that. Um, so thinking about that on a grand scale, the, my last day of work at the meat center and my first day of opening this one, it was just a very, two very different experiences. My last day at the meat center was, it was hard. Oh, I'm sure it was very emotional. Yeah, it was yeah. emotional, but it was like, I don't know, rewarding in the way that I was like, this is my new life. I'm going to, I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> but I had now have the opportunity to do something new. And it was hard leaving those customers and leaving my staff who had become my family and things like that. But looking forward when we had created this business, the local gourmet, 
I think the first day that we opened was probably one of the most memorable days. And then I have another most memorable day after that. But the <laughs> the day that we opened, I was so nervous because I'm oh, like, yeah. here we are. Like, are, is anybody going to come? Like, I was so nervous. I asked a friend to come like man the line and there was no line. <laughs> so like she came down to like, you know, make sure the traffic was going the right way because mm-hmm. we had the new order system, but we hadn't been able to test it properly. And, you know, we had been working on all these things internally with amongst ourselves. But like, how is this going to work when we actually have humans that are here to eat? And where are they going to go? Where are they going to pay? Like, how is this all going to logistically work? And we ran through it a hundred times. And that day I was just like so nervous and I was so excited. And so we opened the doors and we're like, okay, we're ready. And then there was just nobody there. <laughs> we, had, <laughs> we had a couple of people coming in and out. And then it, of course it was all friends and family and things like that, the people that were coming. So it was a great day, but it was just not what I expected. And I think we just hyped it up so much and it was just a great day. So I feel like that was, and just to be able to look around the store and see everything that we had worked so quickly and so feverishly to get done in such a short period of time. It was just great to be able to say like, we did this, like we created this because we didn't get our food delivered until the Friday before we opened. We opened on a Monday. So in the matter of two and a half days, we finished creating recipes that we were basically winging more or less. We created all of our salad dressings from scratch because we refused to bring in dressings from Mm -hmm. another company. We wanted everything to be homemade. So here we are in the back kitchen making gallons of dressings that we had never made gallons of dressings before. So we're winging it, (laughs) figuring it out. So that was just like a whirlwind of a couple days. And it was just a very, it was a great time. It was a great experience, the whole thing. And then the other thing that I would say was probably my next most memorable day was Thanksgiving, the Tuesday of Thanksgiving this year. Yeah, I was just going to say our holiday catering is just, go ahead. It's insane. We had, was it 600 pans of food? Yeah. Over 600 pans of food that we made this year during a pandemic. And what did, what was the offering? I apologize. So all the side dishes. So we do um, roasted turkey breast that's roasted and sliced. So we don't offer whole turkeys, but we do turkey breast sliced. And then we also do all your side dishes. I always said Thanksgiving is my jam. I, I love cooking Thanksgiving it's my favorite catering. Holiday for yeah, the it's it's my favorite. It's my favorite holiday to cater. We do a couple different kinds of stuffings, different mashed potatoes and whatever. And it was just a very cool thing to be able to looking throughout this kitchen. We had people lined up peeling, chopping peeling, chopping, you know, dicing. Everyone's passing things to me. I'm boiling all the potatoes. I'm mashing the potatoes. I'm handing them back to this person. They're packaging it and so that it can cool properly. So it was just like this orchestra of a kitchen. And I feel like that day was probably one of my favorite days in the kitchen because everyone just worked so well together. And to make that quantity of food in a day, I mean, it was a very long day. I I believe it, yeah. (laughs) We also have a magic oven that helps us. (laughs) It cooks things very quickly, but it was just incredible. And like my dad had come into the store just to pop in and check on us and say hi or whatever. Whatever. And he was like, wow, this is this is pretty amazing. I'm like, I know. We're just looking at it. Like everyone was just happy and literally peeling hundreds of pounds of potatoes to boil and chopping that celery on top of celery and all this kind of stuff. So it was just a very cool thing to see where we progressed from two years ago where I don't know the numbers off the top of my head because I, I knew them, but I feel like it was like a, around 150 pans the first year. And you guys do this offering every year? Yes. yes. Okay. Yep. So this was our third Thanksgiving and a pandemic Thanksgiving on top of it. So we weren't even sure if we were going to have any orders at all. Yeah, um, we thought it was going to be a complete hit because we were like, all right, everybody's home everybody's gonna want to cook their own food but we were wrong yeah yeah we were definitely wrong so we basically went from having around 150 pans of food the first year to like maybe three or 300 350 the following year or no it was, it was like 258 i yeah. think the second year so we literally had almost 400 pans more food from wow. this year to the previous year and it was just it was crazy we had to rent a truck to hold the food outside because we don't have space um once yeah, it's to, store, to that, store it after yeah um, so then that also taught us another lesson so it's like we i think that ashley and I do a very good job of we have organizational minds where we see things and see where we can improve on things. So we both were like, oh, this wasn't working. So yeah. we, we need to make this better next time. So for Christmas, a month later, we bought a couple Metro racks so that we could put the Metro racks on the truck. So we're not just using the milk crate bottom <laughs> storage of the thing. We have, you know, we yeah. have eight foot ceilings. So we built up. So Christmas was extremely organized, so much better. Yeah. Um, even just for the order pickup process for the customers to be able to come to the register pay, they gave us a slip in the kitchen. We'd run out to the thing. They'd meet us outside. It was just very well organized. So I feel like both of us kind of take that with everything we do at the store. So like, okay, this is how we did this today. How are we making it better for next time? Yeah. And like we take notes and stuff like that and we just kind of like hash it out before the next holiday comes. You can call it a debrief, whatever it is. It's a very valuable process 
And especially, it's especially helpful when you have somebody who thinks the same way as you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we see things differently than most of the other people that we work with. We always joke too, because we love to merchandise. And it's probably because I started merchandising produce when I was 15. She Mm -hmm. started merchandising produce when she was 16. So there's this thing with color and produce and organization and laying things out. And I feel like when you know how to merchandise, it's just something that you can do. And Mm -hmm. it's art. So she loves art. I love art. And it's just like creating something. So like both of us enjoy doing that. Yeah. Um, and so we'll go out to front to do something and have a completely different outcome if both of us are out there looking at it because we're like, well, this doesn't work there. And what about this here? And we'll move something. And just two days ago, we were rearranging kombucha or something again. And somebody, <laughs> a customer came by and she's like, oh, meeting of the minds. We're like, yep, it's gonna, something's going to change again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's fun. It's just, it's a good habit to get into, especially if it's something that you can actually enjoy doing and have an eye for it too, which makes a big difference. The next question, uh, I'm curious how this will go. So normally when someone comes to the gym, I get to ask them, what is something that they're now able to do that they, when they first started, they never thought they would be able to be able to do. And for us, you know, we have, we have the climbing ropes or whether it's a barbell movement or running a mile or this. So there's always things that people sort of see and then they walk in and they're like, I'm never going to be able to do that. Was there anything with the business that when you first started you felt like you weren't going to be able to do that you are now able to do or able to offer? Um, So we were kind of discussing that before too. I really do say that taking that day off and taking a little time to take a break from work Mm -hmm. would be my big thing because I have definitely a control thing (laughs) where I like things in a certain way and for me to walk away and to entrust somebody else in doing things actually takes care of the entire retail side so I don't worry about her and that entire half the business I was more always concerned about the kitchen because I'm the one that cooks the majority of the food or facilitates what is being cooked by those other people that are helping but we have such a great staff now I think I just needed to take the realization that I don't need to be here and they're able to do it on their own without me being here all the time so just in January, I actually left the store for a week to go on a staycation. And that's the first time I've ever left the store for more than two days. So that was very difficult for me to leave, but the store's still there. They were great and they, you know, banded together while I was gone and everybody did what needed to get done and it was good. And I feel like I just need to realize that it's okay to take time and to let other people do what you know they can do in the first place. It's a great crew that we have working there and they work really hard together and really well together and they know what needs to get done. It's just, it's a very, it's a lot (laughs) that get that happens in the store in the course of a day, especially on the kitchen side. We produce a lot more than I think most people would even imagine that we do. So it's a lot to organize and coordinate, but I think having the ability to walk away finally and accepting it and embracing that is probably the thing that I didn't think was going to happen in the beginning. Yeah. And I was nervous about because I didn't want to get myself back to that point where I used to be at the old store where I kind of felt burnt out and, you know, like I was ready to find something else. Like I don't mm-hmm. want that to happen because I love the store and I love what we've created and everything about it. So I'm really happy that I'm able to kind of take that time and reset. That's a great answer. <laughs> Ashley. On a personal side for me, I can cook. You know what I mean? That was something that I thought I would never actually be able to do. Starting working at the meat center, I learned the ropes of how to cook and now I cook for myself. But like growing up, food is not in my family's history. So that's like a big thing for me. And on a business aspect that I can survive without Christy. <laughs> <laughs> I know what to do without having to ask her a question. I don't second guess myself anymore. Mm-hmm. I know that I can do it and it's going to be okay. It'll work out so that was definitely a big thing for me i used to always like any little question i'd be like is this okay if i do it this way are you going to be okay with it is she going to be mad if i did it this way yeah looking for permission yeah yeah yeah. and like i don't need that anymore so that's like a big thing just to know that i can do this the retail side it's mine it has my touch to it and like it's okay it's gonna survive it's doing perfectly fine so that's definitely a big thing to not have to worry anymore and not have to doubt myself yeah great answers from both you ladies (laughs) that was gonna be a tough one because in the gym it's much more real in terms yeah. of like you can check this box off and you're going to do that but you know, both, I like both those answers that's great okay Ashley we're going to stay with you are there any common myths you often hear that you wish you could debunk about nutrition or food that's such a tough question it is <laughs> You can steal my answer. Yeah. We, we discussed this in the class. Yeah. Okay. It's going to be a answer. Say it. okay. She has the answer. I really don't have anything personally, but she was talking about it earlier. So she has the answer for this one. So there's a thing I have with hot soup. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting this. <laughs> I know. So it's, it's not necessarily about nutrition, but for us, we, we weren't offering hot soup in the beginning when we first started the store. Mm-hmm. We decided to start offering hot soup um, 
Did we offer it in the beginning? No. No, we okay. didn't. So we um, decided to start offering hot soups. We had two hot soups a day. And it it basically, it was it was like my nemesis. I apologize to everybody who loves hot soup. It is It was very difficult to be able to do two hot soups that were prepared by us every day for the next day because we get there early. So we would have to cook them mm-hmm. one day, cool them properly, put them back on um, in the soup warmer for the next day. So my thing is when we're making soups for you, we make this huge pot of soup. Right? Yes. And in order to cool that pot of soup properly, what you should do is then portion it into the cups so that it cools faster. Anything in a smaller quantity cools faster mm-hmm. and safer than it would if it's in a huge, large pot where it might not cool properly. So for me, if you're making a soup and like we're very versed in prepared foods and cooking for prepared foods is very different than cooking for a restaurant for hot service immediately, for consumption, things like that. There's just a different technique when you're doing a lot of things. So if I'm creating a soup for you that I am properly cooking, properly cooling, properly packaging into smaller portions, that soup has a longer life for you as a consumer so that you can enjoy that soup. If you don't get to it today or tomorrow, you have a couple days life on that soup and it's going to be just as fresh as when I actually made it and cooled it properly for you. Mm -hmm. A lot of our soups contain greens. So we put a lot of kale or spinach or whatever in a lot of our soups. And the biggest thing for me is that now we're making these beautiful soups and you know now they're on the hot well. My kale goes from green to brown. The spinach is wilted. The pasta is bloated. I just, I, I hated making the hot soup because I just felt like it wasn't the quality of the products that we were looking to give. So we are actually were forced to take the hot soups away during the pandemic because the only area that we have left in the store was the area on the floor where the customer would have had to serve themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have any area behind the counter left. We have no plugs left in the entire store that we can actually plug anything else in. Like we were tapped out. My electrician said, you are done. There's nothing else that you can add. <laughs> so we just decided to, to take it away. And now that we're not offering the hot soups, we actually have expanded our soup selection. So we're, we're able to make more soups in larger quantity and have them properly cooled, properly packaged in the back case so that you have more of a variety every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's something that we've actually decided not to bring back because we actually had a lot of customers that would we would make the soup and we would package some and then, and then have some for the hot well, but they would come and want it hot and then they would put the lid on it and go put it right in the fridge. So I'm like, you're not even cooling the soup properly when you're taking it home. It's one thing to have a hot soup and eat it hot during lunch if you're right. there to consume it, but it's another thing to just want the hot soup that you're then going to put in a container and bring home and put because in your own refrigerator. Because people think it's more fresh. It's more exactly. fresh, but it's yeah. not. It's not more fresh just because it's not a hot well. If anything, you're actually taking life away from it by having it sit on the heat. Even if it's at the proper temperature and everything, you're taking quality away. And that's just, that's my, that's my one thing. Soup debunked. I like, had no, <laughs> no yeah. idea. Yeah. So that was, that was like, that, I don't know. That was just the one thing that, um, for me, it's, I, I think that buying cold soups that are made and cooled properly and sold in a cold back case is just, it's better. You have more life on the product and the quality of the product in your soup cup is going to be better. Yeah. I also have an answer now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about it. I would say that. It's not true that gluten-free and vegan food is not enjoyable. We have to put gluten-free on our label and vegan dairy-free just Mm -hmm. for those who do choose to eat that way, know that they can eat our food that way. But then we have people that don't understand the whole gluten-free and all that stuff who sees gluten-free and are turned away from it. They're like, oh, that's gluten-free. I don't want that. Oh, that's vegan. I don't want that. But you eat gluten-free, you just don't realize it. And a lot of the times it's something that is naturally gluten-free. Exactly. So like we, we yeah. highlight it on our signs just so that those who are choosing to eat that way can know wholeheartedly this is gluten-free. You don't, you don't even have to ask. Them. Right. Yeah. So from the case, you know, the chicken salad, tuna salad, egg salad, things like that. So like how many times we will have customers say, well, I don't want the gluten-free chicken salad. I would like the other chicken salad. And we'll know that it's just naturally gluten-free. Yeah. <laughs> we're, not, we're not making it gluten-free. It just is gluten-free. It's become a bit of a buzzword. Yeah. We yeah. have some people here that have different allergies or celiacs or stuff like that, and they generally can't have gluten. I know they appreciate being able to see those labels that say something's gluten-free. I do think a lot of people just, it's like a buzzword type thing and they exactly. see gluten-free and they automatically associate one thing with, with it like the oh other. that's healthy i i don't really want that right now you know what <laughs> i mean no but it's true like yeah. you have those people who come in for a pot pie and then they see like the gluten-free chicken salad and they don't want that because it says gluten-free it's just so bizarre to like get in someone's mind yeah. on what they see have you ever thought about playing with people and saying this is the chicken salad that has gluten in it <laughs> <laughs> We might joke internally. (laughs) They're right next to each other. This one says gluten-free. This one doesn't. Yeah. Sprinkle the gluten on it. (laughs) Those are good answers. I had no idea about the hot soup. My mom loves your soup, by the way. I was going to say she stocks up on the soup. She does. She's very consistent. I think she has like one egg for breakfast. She likes her soups. We give her Dottie's donuts once a week. She's a big donut (laughs) fan. And then she also likes her black and white cookies from Cara And that's basically, that's her diet. (laughs) 
What's nice too is that I feel like if you are gonna if you're gonna purchase a lot of stuff from our store, it really is portion control. You're getting a cup of soup. It's a cup of soup. So if you're choosing to have a diet where you want to control your portion, also knowing that you're gonna have a cup of soup and a salad or a cup of soup and an apple or whatever, like you can actually control your nutrition just by limiting the quantity and not having like a large portion of things. So like yeah. that's why I like the portion sizes that we offer too because it's not meant to be something that you're gonna have a ton of leftovers for. Obviously, everyone eats differently depending on mm-hmm. your size and your appetite, but I like the fact that you, I always take home the small soup cups and that's a nice meal if you're just in a hurry and don't feel like cooking, but you want something homemade. Everything yeah. we do is homemade. Everything is homemade. <laughs> so And with the entrees, the proteins are consistent. Like everything has like the one weight of each protein. So like you want it to be consistent. Yeah. You know what you're looking to eat. So yeah, it makes a big difference. Yeah. Ashley, we're going to stay with you for this next question. And then Chrissy, we're going to come back to you. Ashley, we talked about sort of what first brought you to the meat market and local gourmet. What keeps you motivated to come back day after day and keep working? The customers. The customers really. And like just like hearing their feedback on what's new, like all the new trends too. I would just say the food world in general. I became a foodie throughout the years. Like I go try to find that new spot. I try to go support all these local businesses. But yeah, I would definitely say the customers just to, you grow a relationship with them. Customers become your family. Coworkers become your family. So I would definitely say that, like I said earlier, like putting a smile on somebody's face from food, like that's a huge thing. Food is what makes people happy. So like, I just love that. And like, I just love being able to talk to the customers about what they're enjoying, what they want to start seeing more of. And I don't know, I would say that for sure. And like, I get excited to like know that one of my customers are coming in for the day. I get to go see them. Yeah, I just I just really enjoy being a part of the community. That's a huge thing for me. And like, it was really upsetting to leave Watertown because... All my family's there, but mm-hmm. coming to Southbury, I created a new family over there, and I just love seeing all of them every day. That's a great answer. It's fine with the gym. It's a very similar thing. That's the you know, it's the community what keeps people coming back yeah. day after day, and yeah, what motivates people and the connections that they make. Yeah, right, Christy, what keeps you motivated after all these years? Two businesses in the book. Um, I honestly love to create. I feel like when I was searching for that thing to do after I sold the meat center, it was, it was a need to physically create something. So I think that all those things that I was testing, I was like, oh, this is fun for a hobby, but my passion is food. And I think it's food because I was brought into the food world by chance with the meat center being my first job. And it's just something that kind of I grew with and developed a different love for it over the time. So for me to be able to go in and multitask, and I honestly, like I challenge myself every day. So (laughs) I, I try to see how many things I can start at one time and like, you know, we were joking in the kitchen a couple months back. Somebody was saying like, oh, what's your superpower? And I looked right at him. I was like, oh, multitasking. I'm I'm really good at multitasking and like watching the whole situation. And I think that to me is like exciting because I don't work on a line per se. Like people at a restaurant would say that they work on a line. So there's like a rush of having like line work or whatever. I was a line chef in college. Yeah. There's like yeah. a different thrill. Like it's it's exciting and then it's hard and challenging, but it's, it's a challenge. And mm-hmm. I like, I feel like I love that challenge. So I try to take that on every day and creating a beautiful plate of food that I know I'm helping somebody else in their day by making their day easier. That's what kind of drives me. And I love, I love creating. That's just, that's basically it. So like, I love being able to go there and, you know, do my thing and create. And I can't tell you today what I'm making tomorrow because I don't know. So that's like the beauty of it is, you know, (laughs) don't ask. Yeah. I have no idea. (laughs) Um, And it all depends on, you know, what sold yesterday, what we have in the house, what Mm -hmm. just like, I basically walk the coolers when I do the loads in the morning and put all the food away and say, what do I want to cook today? What do I have? Do I have too much asparagus? Do I have, am I out of broccoli? What can I not make? You know, what, what do I have for proteins? So for me, it's like a challenge of like, how creative can I be? It's like being on chopped every day. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I feel. And I just love being able to bring things out to the case and have people say how much they are enjoying things. And I just, it's just really nice to feel like we're doing something to help other people. Cause it was something that I always just thought was a need. And it was something that, you know, as I was getting older, I knew I didn't have time to do as much cooking as I would have wanted to do personally. And with my sisters and the kids and school schedules and just seeing what they were dealing with on daily basis and mm-hmm. whatnot. Like I know nobody has time. Everyone's so busy, but you still want to be able to provide a good home cooked meal. So I just kind of said, this is our opportunity to help people out and see where we can fill that niche. All right. I like it. It's good answers. Ladies, thank you both for coming on the show today. This was really cool for me. I, I really enjoyed this. It's a lot of fun. Your social media handles, I believe it's, the, is it The Local Gourmet or just Local Gourmet on Instagram? Local Gourmet CT. Local Gourmet CT mm-hmm. on Instagram. The website is? 
the local gourmet and local gourmet CT. Okay. Yeah, both with CTs at the end. And I will share links to both those in the show notes for today. I have to thank you both again. Thank you. Thank you for having us. This was great. It was a lot of fun. Very yeah. fun thing to do on a Sunday. And uh, <laughs> it's been very cool to see you guys sort of grow over the years. And I'm sure I will see you at the shop soon. Yeah. And make sure to come in the kitchen. We'll show you where all the magic happens. <laughs> Excited about it. All right. Thank you both. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Strongtown Talks. If you enjoyed the show, please feel free to leave us a rating or review. We are always grateful for any feedback we get. 